Well, today I'm going to bring part three of my continuing response to a recent question for the pastor related to the issue of speaking in tongues. And I look forward to sharing more about that and also this week's announcements. It's Wednesday, September the 27th, 2023, and this is your Midweek Connection. this week's announcements. Number one, Pastor Brett is going to lead a class on parenting called Parenting is Not What You Think It Is. <laughs> That's interesting. Now this is a class that focuses on gospel-centered parenting. And the class will begin on uh, Sunday, October the 15th, and will run on Sunday mornings from 8.30 to 9.30 a.m. in the community room. Now, Sunday, October the 8th, is the deadline to register, and you can do that in this Friday's email blast. Child care will be available for all ages, and if you have more questions about the class, reach out to Pastor Brett, and he would be very happy to answer those questions. Number two, our next membership class is scheduled for Sunday, October the 22nd from 4 to 6 p.m., if you're interested in exploring what membership at TMC is all about, you're encouraged to register for this class. Now, there's no obligation for taking the class, but in the class, you will receive important information about TMC that will help you in making an informed decision about church membership. Child care is available upon request, and you can register in this Friday's email blast, or you can contact Julie Danger and her email is there on the screen, or you can call her at the number that is there on the screen. Finally, our next baptism is scheduled for Sunday, November the 19th. If you've come to faith in Jesus, your next step is to identify with Him publicly through baptism. Now, if you're interested in exploring that, you can contact Julie Danger. Again, her email is there on the screen, or you can reach out to me, and my email is there on the screen also to begin the process. Well, that's it for this week's announcements. Now we move on to questions for the pastor. Well, today I'm continuing to lay a foundation that will eventually lead to a response to the question that was put forward by one of TMC's attenders. Just to review the question. The question is, how do we use and apply tongues and interpretation of tongues in the church and also in our private prayer life? Part two, do we need another baptism of the Holy Spirit like what happened in Acts chapter two? Well, I'm working my way through a final response to the first question about tongues and interpretation of tongues. And being that this is the third session, I can't help but think that someone listening to this extended response might be wanting to say, Pastor Mike, would you just get to the answer already? <laughs> well, I will. But with all of the misunderstandings and abuses that go along with the issue of tongues and interpretation of tongues, I really feel that a fuller treatment of the topic 
that will eventually bring me to a direct answer to the question asked is warranted. In the Midweek Connection on September the 13th, I shared a definition of tongues, when they started, and what the purpose of the gift was from the book of Acts. We discovered that the phenomenon was the physical manifestation that gave evidence of the coming of the Holy Spirit as Jesus had promised. We looked at the three instances in which the phenomenon occurred, Acts chapter 2, chapter 10, and also chapter 19. Now, last week, September the 20th, I dealt with the question, if the gift of tongues was the sign of the coming of the Holy Spirit, and thus the sign that believers had received the Holy Spirit, does Scripture indicate that this would be the norm, the prescription, going forward. From the scripture, we discovered that it was not to be the norm, that once we move away from Acts, we no longer see the gift of tongues as God's way of giving evidence that one is saved and thus received the Holy Spirit. Rather, what we discovered is that a growing manifestation of the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5, 22 through 24, and a decreasing control of the works of the flesh, Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 through 21, is the evidence of one's faith in Christ and the indwelling presence and power of the Holy Spirit in them. Well, that left me with this question. What about tongues and the interpretation of tongues? Are they legitimate gifts of the Spirit? What does Scripture say about that? Well, that's what I want to deal with today. Now, there are three passages of Scripture where the gifts of the Spirit are listed. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Romans chapter 12, and Ephesians chapter 4. Now, you may notice that the order in which I listed these passages is different than the order in which we find them in the New Testament. And the reason for that is I'm listing those references in chronological order. Now, all three were written by Paul, but 1 Corinthians was written before Romans, and Romans was written before Ephesians. Now, toward the end of this session, I'm going to highlight what I believe the significance of that little piece of information is. So let's begin at the beginning. 1 Corinthians is Paul's letter to the church in the city of Corinth. It's a response to a letter they had written to him wherein questions were asked, and he gives Holy Spirit-inspired responses. As part of that, Paul takes it upon himself to address other issues which he had become aware of as problematic within the church. One of the problematic issues was that of tongues. Now, let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12 to see the listing of spiritual gifts that Paul enumerated to the Corinthian believers. Verse 1, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed or ignorant. Dropping down to verse 4 and following, Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in every one. To each, that is to each believer, is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Now, 
we find Paul's listing of spiritual gifts at this point. He's told us that the gifts are for the common good of the church. What are those gifts? Verse 8, For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, which is basically the gift of discernment, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. Now, all these are empowered by the one and same Spirit who apportions to each one, meaning each believer, individually as he wills. So we see in verse 10 that both speaking in tongues and the ability to interpret tongues are legitimate spiritual gifts that are given by the Holy Spirit as he wills. Now from that point, the rest of chapter 12, Paul provides instruction about the body of, of Christ. How there are many parts, yet all of the parts come together to make the whole, just as the human body is uh, comprised of many parts, yet they come together to make one whole body. So believers then, with gifts operating within them, would be the many parts that Paul is making reference to, who come together then to make the singular body of Christ. Now, at the end of chapter 12, Paul restates the gifts, but here he adds some that he had not yet mentioned. But the ones he's adding, with the notable exception of one, uh, correlate with his list in Romans chapter 12 and also Ephesians chapter 4. Notice, he says, apostles, prophets, teachers, miracles, healing, helping, administration, tongues. Those are the gifts that he mentions at the end of chapter 12. And chapter 12 then closes with this, verse 29. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? <laughs> now, based on the context there, on what he said earlier, the expected answer is, well, no. No one person does all those things. So he closes out verse uh, chapter 12 with verse 31, but earnestly desire, he said, the higher gifts. And I will show you a still more excellent way. Now at this point, Paul moves into the topic of love as the more excellent way. That's chapter 13 in our Bibles. Now we're going to return to chapter 13 next week when I bring my conclusion and a response to the question that's been asked. But for now, we'll move away from chapter 13 and move on to chapter 14 where we begin to see that the gift of tongues had become a problem within the church and Paul addresses that here. Verse 1, Since love is the more excellent way, Paul exhorts the church to pursue it while reinforcing that it is also good to desire to possess spiritual gifts. But then he tells them that 
prophecy is the gift they should desire the most and begins a lengthy conversation contrasting tongues with prophecy. Now We've defined tongues in uh, our past session, so let's take a moment to define prophecy. Now, when we mention prophecy in this context, it's not prophecy as in telling the future, but prophecy, spelled a little different, as in speaking in the inspired Word of God. Verse 2 through 5. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men but to God, for no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the Spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now, Paul says, I want you all to speak in tongues, <laughs> but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets so that the church may be built up. You know, the way Paul addresses this makes it really, I think, abundantly clear that the believers in Corinth were all about tongues, kind of like we see in some, some circles today. Perhaps they were all about tongues because maybe it drew attention to them as being more spiritual than the others. That's a guess on my part. But he makes it clear that while tongues was a legitimate gift, it was one that builds up self. While prophecy builds up others, i.e. builds up the church. From there, we go to verse 6 and following. And he goes on there to explain how tongues, when there is no interpretation, brings no benefit to the body of Christ because no one knows what is being said. And he goes on to refer uh, to that as speaking into the air. When someone speaks in tongues, no interpretations, you're just speaking into the air, verse 9, which brings us then to verse 12. He says, Since you are eager for manifestations of the Spirit, strive to excel in building up the church, i.e., strive to excel in prophecy. In verse 18 and 19, Paul says, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. Nevertheless, in church, now listen to this, this is important. I would rather speak five words with my mind in order to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. Now clearly, folks, Paul is making a, a dramatic point here that 10,000 words in a tongue don't even come up to the value of five understandable words spoken with one's mind. Now that said, Paul is not condemning the gift of tongues, but he most certainly is making it clear that tongues is not the gift to be pursued, but rather prophecy is to be pursued, and that in the common language so that others may benefit from your words. Furthermore, making reference to Isaiah 28, 11 through 12 and Deuteronomy 28, 49, Paul brings up the fact that tongues are a sign not for believers, but for unbelievers, while prophecy is a sign not for unbelievers, but for believers, verse 22. Now, what does that mean? 
Well, it basically means that in the time frame in which they were living, where the full canon of Scripture had not been completed, tongues were a sign for the unbelieving that the person speaking represented God. But the believing did not need such a sign as they had the witness of the Spirit within them and the authority of the Scripture that had been completed to authenticate another as speaking for God. So, wrapping up his instruction, Paul gives the Corinthian believers information about the practice of tongues, instruction about the practice. If you're going to practice it, this is what you need to know. Verses 27 and 28. If any speak in a tongue, let there be only two or at most three, and each in turn, and let someone interpret. Now here, this is really important. But if there is no one to interpret, let each of them keep silent in the church and speak to himself and to God. Now that's very clear, isn't it? The gift of tongues is not to be practiced in the church gathering unless one with the gift of interpretation is present. And even then, there's the need to put what is spoken under the discerning lamp of God's Word. So, verse 39 and 40. My brothers, he says, earnestly desire to prophesy, and do not forbid speaking in tongues. I think that's important for some of my brethren who want to do that, but anyway, we'll get to that next week. Verse 40. But all things, no matter what they are, should be done decently and in order. Okay, so Paul does not forbid the practice of tongues in the public gathering, but gives clear instruction of its place and its practice and makes it clear that prophecy, not tongues, is the gift to pursue. Now, before I close, I want to come back to the three passages. I told you I was going to come back to this at the end. I want to come back to the three passages that list the gifts of the Spirit. Now, the first passage to address the gifts of the Spirit, as we've already read, is 1 Corinthians chapter 12, where Paul lists tongues as a legitimate gift. But then he goes on to set the record straight about some misconceptions and some mispractices. But when we come to Romans 12 and Ephesians 4, tongues and interpretation of tongues is nowhere to be found. In fact, listen to me, outside of Acts and 1 Corinthians, we find no instruction on tongues or the practice of it recorded. Now, that's odd. All the other gifts are mentioned and practiced throughout the New Testament, But once we get past 1 Corinthians, tongues as a gift go silent. Huh, why is that? Well, I believe 1 Corinthians chapter 13 has the answer. And I'm going to bring that to light, and I'm going to give my response to the question asked in next week's Midweek Connection. So for those of you who are wondering when I'm going to finally get to it, Well, next week, I promise we're going to get to it. Well, let's take a moment for prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you once again for the word that you've given us, the revelation that instructs us and guides us and shows us both things that you have done in a specific period of time and things that you continue to do. 
And Lord, you've given us that word in such a way that we can uh, study it and understand so that we can recognize the difference between the two. Now, Father, I pray for myself, for others who are listening to this, that we will be mindful of your gifts, that we'll be mindful of the way you want those gifts practiced and the purpose of them, which is for the profit of all, the building up of the church, and that we would desire earnestly to have gifts that do that. And Lord, for other gifts uh, that may be of a more personal nature, that we would be uh, satisfied to um, let those be where they need to be and not pursue those as though they are more important than the gifts that build up the church, but pursue those gifts as the ones that are going to honor you and are going to be beneficial to others. So continue to speak to us and teach us from your word, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, this Sunday, we're going to complete Revelation chapter 1, bringing part 2 of John coming face to face with the Son of Man. We're going to pick up with verse 16, and we're going to make our way then uh, to the end of the chapter. So I look forward to sharing what my study has revealed to me about those scriptures, and I trust that you'll be present to hear it. Until then, God bless and have a great week.